Hello and welcome to episode number two of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. For those who tuned into last week's chat with Fitzroy Simon Hawking, a big thank you. We certainly appreciate it. And for those who are first-time listeners, welcome aboard the 90s Footy Club. This week's guest is Matthew Spider Burton. Now, Big Spider, who stood at a whopping 210 centimetres tall, was an inaugural player for the Fremantle Dockers, playing 70 games in five seasons before heading to North Melbourne under the great Dennis Pagan and playing a further 77 games in the Royal Blue and White. A terrific story. So for those football diehards and nostalgics, sit back, relax and enjoy my chat with Big Spider Burton. Matthew Spider Burton, thanks for joining us on the 90s Club. Yep, cheers, Trent. No worries, mate. No worries at all. Great to, uh, to catch up with you. And what are you doing with yourself currently, Matthew, post-football? Uh, I stayed in Melbourne for a long time after North Melbourne, but um, moved back to uh, Perth, where my wife and I are both from, about 10 years ago now, and uh, do some financial advising there. So it's good, mate. Do you still keep a keen interest watching the football, whether it's either Fremantle or North Melbourne? Um, it's funny. I sort of follow it, and a lot of my mates are involved in it and that sort of stuff, but um, I don't get too worked up on who wins and loses and all that sort of stuff. I just uh, – some, some blokes keep the, um, the competitive drive um, through their whole life, whereas for me, I had that period of my life, and that's enough. Matthew, doing some research on you before doing this podcast, finding out that you're on the West Coast Eagles list for about three to four seasons in the early 90s. Tell us a bit about your time at the West Coast Eagles. I uh, sort of seen as a bit of a project player, I suppose, um, just being so tall. And that's back when lists were about 52, I reckon. Um, so they put me on. Um, I probably was quite happy just to be on the list rather than anything else. And, um, uh, um, you know, um, I really enjoyed it, but um, it just wasn't, you know, it, it, it was probably in hindsight there was opportunities um, in the ruck there. You know, there was no out-and-out champions at the time holding me back, but it was more myself holding me back. I was probably a bit immature and that sort of stuff, so... Um, just uh, ended up playing sort of 100 games for Suvi um, in the Waffle back then. So, and I guess being involved in a club that was so successful in that in that period that you were a part of it. '92 they won their first premiership, and then '94 um, that must have been sort of nice to be involved with the club that had sort of come you know in at '87 and, and achieved success so early in it in its career in the AFL. Yeah, they were wickedly talented and they were bloody hardworking too. The amount of time. Yeah, you know, those blokes were really, really, really driven. Um, uh, you know, I sort of talk about Djakovic, um, McKenna, Walsfold, um, Kemp. You know, they were they were such hard trainers. So it was really good to see that. So sort of when I grew up and had my um, last chance at Frio, then, um, you know, I sort of channeled those guys with uh, my views to training. Let's look at Fremantle. They made their debut in the competition in 1995. Tell us the lead up um, on how you got onto the, the Fremantle Dockers list and 
obviously being an inaugural player of that season, but also playing in their first ever game. But sort of what was the lead up of you getting onto that list and being a part of the Freo Dockers? It's a good question, Trent. And, um, you know, everyone has a story. And, you know, sometimes a number one draft pick, you know, they come in and they're just a superstar from 19, 20, you know, probably Rewalt or, you know, that draft of um, Hodge and Judd and, and Ball and that sort of stuff. But there's so many other stories. And, you know, after watching this year's final series, you know, even with the Melbourne boys, you know, there was a bunch of young kids, but there's also players that have sort of been there, you know, forever and Jones misses out. But, um, so my story was I'd played 100 games at Subiaco and the Waffle. I'd had a year off um, out of the AFL system at Subiaco. Um, sort of thinking that my chance had gone past, you know, not getting picked up in drafts and that sort of stuff. And Fremantle came in and um, they weren't all that keen. Actually, I had an interview with them and, and Jared Nation wasn't that keen. So um, that was fine. I just um, uh, um, thought I left that meeting not thinking I was going to get a go. Um, I lived across the road from actually the recruiting manager and we actually, um, as I grew up, and his name's Phil Smart and... Uh, I thought that, um, um, uh, and Jared Newsham said, oh, because you're friends with Smarty, you can come to training on the first night. So I went down to training thinking, oh, you know, this is going to be no good, you know. I'm just here making the numbers up. And there was about 80 at training. There was about 50 or 60 waffle players as well as sort of the returning AFL guys. So your listeners will remember, you know, probably Peter Mann playing for North Melbourne, um, Steve O'Reilly playing for um, Geelong in the 94 grand final. Um, ben Allen, um, he was a Hawthorne champion. He was our marquee player at the time. And um, I just went down to training and um, I actually learned a hell of a lot off Jared um, in that first sort of two or three weeks of training. Um, just those views that he had with, he'd sort of taken from water polo, but he was an eight or nine year waffle coach. Um, and, you know, I just, I just remember standing there just going, wow, no one's ever said that to me before. Uh, some of the stuff at training and it was still the hardest pre-season that I'd ever done. It was six um, mornings a week, Monday to Saturday, and they'd alternate between running and weights and footy training was Monday to Friday um, at night time. So you'd, and you'd had to go to work in between, you know, I had no contract and um, uh, anything like that. So it was seriously, seriously hard. And um, you get to sad day, you come in from training on a sad day, you just fall into bed, you'd be that exhausted. So, um, so um, and, and all they did was cut blokes. And back then there was no exit interviews. You'd, you'd, they'd just go up to you at the start of training and say you're not needed anymore, or at the end of training saying you're not needed anymore. So it was pretty harsh, um, killing a lot of blokes' um, you know, dreams. Um, and it was my dream and I just kept on going and kept on going and um, eventually you know, I got one of the last places on the list and and then um, started the pre-season games and a few injuries went my way and I got a few opportunities and started playing all right so, and then got the first game. Do you think having that experience with West Coast and obviously playing that amount of games at Subiaco sort of held you in good stead as well? Sort of being in the system and sort of you know understanding what sort of required to play at that level? Yeah, I think it was definitely that or probably the front of my mind was this is my last chance. So, you know, I've got to give it everything. I was 24, almost 25. 
Um, you know, if don't make it here, then then it's all over. So, um, and that's what sort of drove me to, um, you know, to train my guts out and um, and hopefully impress them a bit. What was the feeling like over in WA when the Fremantle Dockers, I guess, got their license and were going to be part of the AFL? Obviously, with West Coast, you know, probably holding the uh, the rain over there for for such a long time. What was the general feel amongst the the footy community with Fremantle coming in? Um, yeah, it was a real vibe, and Fremantle's um, really independent from Perth, and um, they made you know, it was a, it was the right call all day every day to sort of. Um, um, base the team in Freo and um, have that um, Freo versus the rest sort of mentality. So it, it was um, awesome. You know, there was a lot of people at training. The, the city really embraced, the city of Fremantle really embraced the team and um, um, and it was exciting. You know, it was brand new. It was um, purple with the colours and, you know, all these uh, fantastic things that were happening um, at the time and, you uh, and it was quite new and innovative and um, and it was a real buzz, you know. I remember getting on the plane for our first pre-season game, going to Darwin. Um, we were playing the Northern Territory team on the Australia Day long weekend and, you know, some of the blokes had never been on a plane before. So, you know, you're just going, whoa, you know, this, you know. So they're excited and... Um, and then we had this exciting brand of footy, which sort of then it was ANSET Cup matches back in the day, and we, we were sort of doing things differently. Spider, I want to go back to round number one, 1995, the first time we saw the Fremantle Dockers. You took on the Richmond Tigers, a really close game, falling short by about five points from memory. What was the feeling, firstly, with you? You know, how did you feel about playing that first game, playing your first game in the AFL? But also, too, you know, what was the, the playing group like pre-game, before the game, and obviously after the game, after such a, a narrow loss? So what, what happened was um, West Coast had come in and had success straight away, and then um, and they were basically a state team, and then Adelaide had as well. So, um, you know, I didn't realise it at the time because I didn't really care, but um, apparently, yeah, if I went, well, we can't have another interstate team come in and just um, kill it straight away. So it, the concessions weren't um, awesome. So um, as good as you know what they'd done previously. So um, so yeah, we had um, some early draft picks, but basically we're a team of waffle players, and um, there was there was a team, a, a, a group of young waffle players too, um, and I sort of think of. Winston Abraham back in those days, you know, very exciting, but he wasn't really known. Um, so, you know, we turn up at the MCG. Um, we're supposed to be crap. Um, we're supposed to not be winning a game for, um, you know, a couple of years was, you know, some people's views. And I know the media can be extreme. but um, And then to sort of take it to, to Richmond, you know, the home of footy, um, you know, was awesome. And it did give us a real kick, um, you know, how we started the year thinking, um, you know, we're not going to be very good, but um, hang on a minute. You know, there was a bit of confidence here and um, away we go. And I know we know in round three, I think you were back in Victoria and you played Fitzroy and got your first win. But I reckon the, the real buzz would have been the first home win against the Cats with you know, a pretty good side with Gazza and Paul Couch and the likes running around to 
to win your first home game um, against a, a quality side in Geelong, who were grand finalists the year before, the buzz around WA must have been huge. Yeah, it was. And we were sort of building towards it, you know, like we lost to Richmond by five points. Um, we lost to Essendon by eight or nine, but I think Darren Buick kicked a goal like on the siren. So, again, that was a couple of points with, let's say, a minute to go. Um, we beat Fitzroy um, at the Witten Oval or Western Oval and um, we're sort of building to, towards it. So, you know, we were confident. Um, we had a nothing-to-lose sort of mentality and um, with those exciting um, players that I sort of spoke about before, you, you, you know, like um, Scotty Chisholm and... Um, and Gary Durke and Winston Abraham, um, as well as some pretty good players through the midfield um, in Scotty Waters and, and Ben Allen. Um, it, you know, it was sort of like um, it was a nothing-to-lose mentality. So um, hence why, you know, we could take Geelong on. Um, you know, maybe they came over thinking the new boys would be easy. You know, who knows? We're not in their camp. Um, so it, it was. It was at the Wacker. They were redeveloping Subi at the time. The Wacker is the, one of the best grounds to play footy on. So um, you know, it was um, and and high scoring sort of footy too. It was exciting. Would have been a fair initiation for you in the ruck. Obviously, um, coming up against you know four good sides where you know they've got some pretty decent ruckmen. I'm thinking Matty Primus probably would have played against for Fitzroy. You would have had John Barnes for Geelong. Um, you know, some quality in the ruck. So you would have had uh, a good initiation into the AFL in your first month of football in 95? Yeah, it was good, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think back to, you know, some some of the really good players, you know. Even the, um, I know Sydney, um, Gavin Rose was, um, you know, not a household name at the time, but, um, you know, he, um, he played well. So, um, and I think they were the fifth or sixth game at the time, probably the sixth game if we're playing every second one at home. Um, you know, um, Greg Deere straight up. So, you know, he was a premiership player. So um, it was pretty exciting for me to sort of get there and take it on. Um, Matty Primus was probably just short of coming into his best. You know, he was later on and when I played, he was the hardest bloke to play against, um, him and Sean Wren. So um, it was... um, it was, and it was different each and every week, and it was new for me, you know, just to be playing on that quality week in, week out. Matthew, did you guys feel, obviously, that you might have been a bit of a secret weapon for the Fremantle Dockers, just because purely of your height, there was sort of no other ruckman around that size that you had at that 210 centimetre height, that you were able to get on top of other opposition ruckmen just due to that advantage of the height that you had? Um, yeah, without a doubt. Ben... Um, the other thing is I had this player called Ben Allen who was enormous so um, Peter Mann won our um, club champion that year but um, he's a friend of mine I, I, I reckon um, Ben O should have won it so um, I agree with what you're saying but with Ben O you know you'd have this noise where the ball would be bounced or thrown in so I'd have my eyes up at the footy and I could hear the opposition belting Ben, you know, I could hear the the, um, the fist on jumper or on skin. Um, and then I just told him where I'd hit it and, you know, he, he'd run there and uh, he'd get it. Like, you know, he was an enormous player and he was enormous for us in that first year. And he was just starting to have some pretty serious knee injuries and 
um, for him to play so well week in, week out with all the attention on him. Um, he, he was pretty phenomenal in, in that first year. So, yeah, I, you know, the, I had the advantage, but I also had, um, you know, some pretty good players underneath me. Looking at some stats last night, Matthew, just looking at the difference in the amount of hitouts a Ruckman had from 1995 in comparison to what we're seeing of 2021, I guess, where it was about 358 for our leading Ruckman back when you first started. Now, the likes of a Max Gorner having 803 tapouts. It's just amazing how much the game has changed. It's probably not as free-flowing. Would that be a, a fair point? Oh, you look at the game now, there's 20 players, you know, in a small room or at a stoppage. So, and so there's just so many more stoppages than there, there ever was. So um, it, it was a lot more open when we played. So, you know, maybe now would be, um, you know, better for someone like me to be playing if you're around the ball um, so much. But... Um, um, we also had a lot more um, space to be able to hit to and, and, and to move into, so that made it a hell of a lot easier. Matthew, I want you to reflect back on the derby battles with the West Coast Eagles. The first one in 1995, it was early on in the season. You guys are the new kids on the block, taking on the powerhouse West Coast Eagles. Had one, two flags. You know, the public were probably behind them in their first eight years in the competition. What was the feeling going into the game? And and obviously the battles ahead uh, post that as well. Did you like each other? Did you hate each other? And I guess from a football supporter's memory, I remember that big punch on between the two sides. I think it may have been when you were playing at North Melbourne. But what was the feeling like between the Eagles and the Dockers? So, man, they'd won 92-94. It was round seven and 95. And um, it was their home ground too, their home game too, which didn't really help things. Um, it would have been nice. We got no favours from the AFL. Listen, round one would have been good to play at Subi. I got no qualms. At, you know, the home of footy, the MCG was awesome to play at. But round one, when you're brand new, would have been awesome to play in front of your home fans. Um, round uh, seven would have been you know, some form of nice to have um, our home crowd there rather than theirs. Um, but, you know, they were pretty hot and they were hot that day. If I said 10, 15 minutes ago that maybe Geelong didn't turn up um, quite, quite, quite with the right mindset, um, West Coast definitely did. And they had a pack that, you know, they weren't going to lose um, – to the new boys on the block, and um, and they really gave it to us. That that was hot. That was the hottest game that we played. You know, we were we were going well. We were three and three or four and two, I think, at that stage, and um, and we could have won the games that we lost. So, uh, you know, we went in with some confidence that we we're going half okay. But um, you know, that was a brand, that was a different brand of footy that day. They were they were unbelievable. You know, Brett Eddy turned it on. He was taking hangers and um, I think he kicked five. And, um, and, but just over the whole ground, they were just way, way hotter than um, what, um, you know, probably we're expecting or, you know, us brand new were, um, were up to. So it was amazing. So, and, and they were like that, you know, for a long time. 
um, against Frio. And yeah, you're right, I missed that um, 2000 game. But um, at that stage, Frio were building to it. But um, <coughs> um, but you know, they were a pretty awesome footy team in the 90s. Is it a game that you'd always try and build yourself up a little bit more just because it was against West Coast and, you know, you just wanted to sort of break the shackles a little bit? Was it always one that, you know, whether it was Jared Neesham or, or Damien Drummer, whoever was coaching, would really say, listen, boys, this is one we really want to try and stick it up the other WA side? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We, we built ourselves up for it, but, you know, we were a nine zip at one stage. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, they were hot games and they... You know, they were a little bit more, um, um, uh, what's the word, I think, uh, worthy or, you know, you, you wanted to win them a little bit more than the rest. Now, 1999, you were elected as vice-captain of the Fremantle Dockers, obviously being one of the inaugural players and had been around for a little while. You must have um, been really happy to receive that um, leadership position at the Dockers. Yeah, yeah, mate, it was good, yeah. You know, I didn't have a very good season and... Um, um, I left at the end of that year, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was great. You know, Chris Bond was definitely the leader at the time. Um, you know, I think I was very professional in the way I went about my footy, um, cared about the teammates. So to be elected as a vice-captain, you know, was fantastic. It was just be that uh, um, I couldn't play that well that year. But in saying that, the best thing that happened in my life was um, going to North Melbourne after that, so... Yeah, so what, what sort of prompted the move, if you if you want to share? What was sort of the, the reason why you moved over to North Melbourne? Was it Freeman were looking at a different direction with their list or was it you looking for some different opportunities? What was sort of the reason why you went to the Kangas? Damien Drum didn't think I could play, so that was the reason I went there. So, <laughs> um, so I just got cut from Freo. I didn't get traded or anything like that. So at the end of that year, I had a year on my contract. But uh, they just cut me and um, North Melbourne picked me up in the draft just after that. So uh, with a late pick. Um, so, you know, it was fantastic. I I, I, um, I thought my career had finished, you know, I was sort of 29, almost coming into 30. So I thought it was all over. But um, Dennis wanted to have an extra Ruckman because he wanted to win back-to-back premierships. He hadn't done that, although he'd already won two. And... Um, um, just in that draft, he he had some options and uh, he wanted to go with someone experienced and um, for some reason they chose me, which I'm stoked about. It was um, fantastic to live in Melbourne for, for so long. Was there many other feelers out there to maybe get you over to the you know other clubs list um, following the 99 season or was North Melbourne just the one that, and only that sort of really wanting to get you there? Um, ironically, it was West Coast that, um, said that they wanted to pick me up and um, their last pick was 39 and then um, free, um, North Melbourne had given away early draft picks to get Lee Colbert over from Geelong so they didn't come into the draft till about pick 50 but um, West Coast were adamant they were taking me with their last pick at 39 and they asked for extra time you're sort of watching it at home it was Sunday morning uh, my fiance. Um, now, wife was in the bedroom watching it. I was in the lounge room watching it, and then they chose someone else. So you sort of go, "Whoa!" <laughs> then you start burying for North Melbourne because I'd had a couple of phone calls with Dennis Pagan, um, which were pretty funny. He's a pretty funny fella, so we got on pretty well straight away. And um, and come, um, I don't know, into the fifties, they chose someone else, and then then they chose me. So it was awesome. So I'll, I'll be forever thankful. It was it was a lot of fun going to North Melbourne and. 
I fell in love with the place really quick and the players. I was recently reading a Where Are They Now document from the North Melbourne website and you were the player interviewed and I did read some of your comments about just the place being really special because of the culture and the people behind it. What was it about the culture and the people that were involved on and off the field at North Melbourne that made it really special? Um, I learned a couple of life lessons. You know, there was no excuses. They didn't blame anyone else. They didn't blame the coach for um, them playing bad or anything like that. They just, you know, took the responsibility for themselves. And I sort of talk about probably, you know, you know, Steve O hardly ever had a bad game, but if he did, he sort of um, looked within rather than try and blame someone else. And then. Obviously, the resources weren't great at Arden Street, um, you know, sort of 20 years ago, but um, the people were awesome and there were some great people at the time, you know. I look at, you know, I mentioned Dennis's name, but, you know, Tony Elshaw, um, Tim Harrington, um, Jeff Walsh, um, and uh, a hell of a lot of the volunteers that sort of gave their life for the Kangas. And um, um, I sort of look at it that the facilities weren't great, but, the, the the best resource of all is the people and and they were fantastic so um and then the players and I just had to hit it you know that was all I had to do and you know I left Fremantle and averaging sort of 13 touches a game in my last year which you know they couldn't wait to push me out the door and I got to north and I didn't even average 10 and they thought the sun shined out of my backside you know I just <laughs> put it to you know Boomer Shannon Grant Adam Simpson uh, Steve-O, you know, even if we, if it was a tight game, we'd move Johnny Blakey into the middle. He was awesome out of, out of the centre. Um, so they were the sort of guys. I've, I've missed one or two. Uh, ben Robbins, who, who was a really understated player. Um, um, he, didn't, he wasn't there in my first year, I think, but he was there a bit after that. He, he was a fantastic uh, midfielder. So there's those sort of guys that I just, um, just loved hitting it to, and uh, that was all I had to do, just play your role. And you got to play finals in your first season as well. I think you might have made a prelim final um, going down to, to Melbourne. But obviously not playing finals at Fremantle to going to a side that's playing finals, that must have been really, really exciting as well. Yeah, well, when you think about that, I thought my career was over. And then, you know, to be playing in a prelim um, was pretty awesome. So, yeah, it was great. So I really enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed, you know, the opportunity of playing in front of the big crowds. You know, we did get smashed in two of those three finals, but, you know, um, we are able to win one as well. So, um, so it was great. But just going to Melbourne, after playing for a, a, a Perth-based team, when you kick a goal, either everyone um, screams or no one does, you know, wherever you're playing. To being in Melbourne and, you know, North and Essendon at the G or, you know, North and Hawthorne at, um, at Marvel, you know, those sorts of things where, you know, you kick a goal, there's a roar. The other team kick a goal, there's a roar. Um, you know, it, it was a great buzz. And um, and those four years of playing footy was uh, was fantastic. Loved it. Matthew, I want to ask you about your height. Did you find any challenges playing AFL football with the height that you had? Obviously, you know, there's not too many that would be standing 210 centimetres there must be something in the water over at Fremantle because Sanderland's obviously 211 centimetres. But was there any challenges that you came up against playing at that height? Um, no, I, I think um, I think I, I wish I had been um, trained now by you know 
these sports scientists and that sort of stuff, they realise that everyone's different, whereas back in the 90s, we all used to just train the same. So, you know, I would, I've already mentioned his name, is Boomer, you know. I would just train the same as him. I'd do the same running, I'd, you know, but we're all built differently and I understand that now um, and they train around differently, even for your different positions. So, um, so from that point of view, but also, you know, just the way that the game is now and how hard they hit each other, you know, um, I'm glad um, I played when I did and, and not playing now, um, you know, just the game so in tight and just those those cumulative hits that um, these guys are accumulating, will, um, but, you know, they're going to be sore um, when they're in their 50s and 60s. So, um, but no, no, I wouldn't think there's anything like that, Trent, that, you know, sort of held me back or I didn't sort of realise it. But, you know, mind you, I wouldn't want to be playing on someone as athletic as Luke Jackson or Max Gorn or Tim English nowadays. You know, they're, they're, they're seriously good athletes who can run seriously fast times over the flat. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you, what's the most memorable moment in your AFL career or, or a favourite game? Is there one that, you know, maybe stands out or a moment that stands out? Um, no, mate, not really. No, no. Uh, it was awesome to be playing that first game. It was awesome to be playing finals footy. It was awesome just to be playing on a Saturday afternoon at the MCG, you know. Some of my favourite sort of memories are, are just doing that. So, um, no, I just, you know, enjoyed the journey and, um, um, you know, thankful that I got to experience, you know, sort of, I know there's three years at the Eagles, but I don't really count those, but, you know, nine years at the top level was, you know, and all those different experiences, all those different games, all those um, different venues, you know, even jumping on the plane, it, it didn't worry me. I, I loved it. Hanging out with your mates, yeah. Eating good food, just staying in good places, you know, you're playing footy, you know, so just I just loved it. So, yeah, seems like it would be a, a pretty good gig. You spoke about, you know, all the, the household names, both from Fremantle and North Melbourne. Who's the best character you come across uh, in your time? It might be someone that we might not hear as much about, but who's the best uh, character you come across or best couple of characters that you come across in your journey? Yeah, oh, there's always, you know, a couple at each club, but um. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Is um, Harry Leach, Quentin Leach, um, um, from Frio. Um, he died of cancer a couple of years ago, and he's forty. So um, he was hilarious, and he got the nickname Harry because he called everyone Harry. He just, "Hey Harry, how you going?" You know, um, he was always up for a gag, always up for a joke. Um, Luke Toy is another one from Frio. Um, yeah, Toys he used to absolutely terrorise our um, our property man, um, old Paddy Watson at the time. So Toysy was funny, um, you know, just, you know, um, you know, Mick Martin on a footy trip, that's always funny. So, um, <laughs> so it, yeah, the, the, there was a lot there, but, um, you know, it's uh, Lee Colbert um, just trying to, like me and Colby were brand new and the boys had a temp in bowling day. So we went to a second-hand store and got all, you know, dressed up in temp in bowling gear, you know, and these blokes are going, these blokes for real, you know, like they're just new. And we just thought I would break the ice, you know. So. I oh, love it. Oh, fantastic. Mm. If there was an unsung hero at one of the footy clubs or both footy clubs, like, you know, obviously, we, you know, you play with care, you've played with these sort of guys. Is it one that, you know, sort of sticks out as a bit of an unsung hero that probably didn't get the accolades or the, the mentions um, you know, it, whether it's in the media or, you know, from the supporters or whatever it may, they, that you know, maybe should have that 
to a degree. Bit of an uh, Johnny Blakey rings a bell. Like, you know, he, he was enormous. He never got beaten one on one. He was he was fantastic. So um, I love playing with Blakes and. Yeah, you know, I sort of mentioned before that if it was a close game, we'd sort of um, bring him into the middle and get someone, push someone into the halfback flank because he, he was amazing at just being able to win a, a 50-50 footy. So, um, and just week in, week out with his consistency as well. So, um, loved, loved playing with Blakes. And um, um, at Frio, you know, there was... Um, I'm trying to think of someone, you know, Ben is the one, Ben Allen, you know, that just comes to mind about how good he was. Um, it was a pretty his career, got cut short. Um, so, um, you know, but he does get the accolades, you know, he won a best and fairest in a premiership year for Hawthorne. So, um, so he's probably not an unsung hero, no. Last one. Uh, do you follow Fremantle more than North or do you sort of keep an eye on both sides, you know, equally um, as the footy season sort of goes on? Yeah, I don't really get too caught up in it, but um, you know, I finished my career at North. Um, we we the kids and oh, we go all the North games um, when we we're in Melbourne, and then I came back here and I was ruck coach at Freo, so you know, I got to meet some of the guys living in Perth. Means I go to more Freo games, um, but yeah, I don't get too caught up in it. You know, even Adam Simpson's a friend, so um, you know, I want the Eagles to do well. Um, so it's more, I suppose, person-based now. Um, and like I said to you um, earlier, that I, I don't get too caught up in the footy. You know, if I do go, it's for um, to have a beer with some mates. Um, you know, it's not. Um, oh, did you see those guys? They, you know, you know, they're kicking across the forty-five, and you know, they're not manning up, and you know, they're they're playing a spare, and we're kicking it to the spare. I, I don't actually get caught up in any of that. I just uh, like to go to footy. It's I think it's great entertainment. It's great theatre, and um, and it's to be enjoyed. And to finish, Matthew, obviously the grand final was in Perth. It was an amazing spectacle. So much work went into it. It was great to watch from a TV point of view. Um, you must be very proud as a as a Western Australian on the efforts that was put into the grand final. And gee, whiz, it'd be uh, something that you guys might be wanting to host again. Agreed, mate. It was awesome, and it was awesome being there. And the atmosphere was fantastic. And I've watched it a couple of times on TV since. And you know, the spectacle was just great. So. Matthew Spider-Burton, it's been a huge pleasure to catch up with you and talk all things Fremantle and North Melbourne and reliving your time playing in the 1990s. You are our latest member of the 90s Club Footy Podcast and we really do appreciate you sharing your experiences with listeners. Thanks, Trent. Thanks for having me, mate. Well, we're at the end of podcast number two. A big thank you for listening to our chat with Matthew Spider-Burton. If you're looking for the previous episode, you can always log on to our Spotify and Apple Podcasts accounts. You can also keep up to date with our weekly guests on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Next week, we're going to catch up with a former full forward who played with four clubs in the 90s. And a little clue, he has a hyphen in his surname. Until then, we'll see you next week on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. (laughs) 